Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. I am flying solo this evening, so um, I want to thank you all for uh, tuning in. Uh, tonight we have an amazing story from a woman um, by the name of Amy, who is um, going to come on and share her story um, and talk about what it's like being on the ADAPT waiting list. And for those who are not familiar with what that means. That means they're on um, AIDS Drug Assistance Program. And it's um, funded by the government to help people receive their meds who cannot afford it, um, you know, for different reasons. And there is actually, I'll bring the numbers up, but right now there's over uh, 2,000 uh, people that are currently on the ADAPT waiting list. And uh, they are in 12 different states. So there's a lot of people that are not able to receive their life-saving medications because we've either run out of funds. And this is a kind of controversial topic that a lot of people, um, you know, fight for and protest for. And a lot of people think, you know, there needs to be more attention on this because it's important that we receive our, our life-saving uh, medication. Right now there is uh, 2,158 individuals um, on the ADAPT waiting list and in 12 states. And a lot of them are the southern states, which is kind of an interesting fact to bring up that a lot of people talk about. So tonight we're going to be speaking with Amy. Jeremy has the night off. He's taking care of some personal business. So I um, hope he's having a good evening. I want to thank people tuning in. Let's see, I have a dab and uh, a guest. So thank you for tuning in. Hopefully more will tune in later. Uh, tonight's show is only going to be a 30-minute show um, because uh, of me not having a co-host and some other things going on that I have to take care of afterwards. But for those first time tuning in, I want to tell you a little bit about the radio show. The radio show itself is um, here to provide a voice, uh, kind of a vehicle for people who are living with HIV and AIDS to find hope. And that's why our slogan is the dose of hope. So we try to allow people to get some sort of hope um, after their diagnosis. It's a place where once a week everybody who is HIV positive can tune in and actually hear a story and be inspired. Um, you know, whether it's a discussion that we're talking about a hot topic um, like disclosure or uh, finding a doctor, or if we have a personal guest. So it's a very different blend of show, um, and I think it's the only one of its kind, which is always amazing to be um, one of a kind. So um, usually uh, my other co-host, Jack McEnroth, is away right now at the Gay Games, I believe, in Cologne. He's swimming his butt off over there. So uh, he will be back in two weeks, and he'll be able to, uh, we'll be talking about all, um, you know, the swimming he did over there and what it was like to travel over there. Um, and it should be kind of interesting. So I'm excited for Jack to come on back um, soon. And then also coming up um, at the end of August, um, while I wait here for the guest to call in, I'll tell you a little bit more. Um, at the end of August, we are going to take a break for the last two weeks. So there will be no live shows for those two weeks. And then when we come back in September, um, I'm switching it up a little bit, and we're going to start having guest co-hosts. So there's going to be uh, two weeks out of the month is going to be um, a different co-host, whether it be uh, Dad, if I can get Dad to come on, if I can try to get on Gino or Bob Bowers. But I'm going to have somebody different. And those times we're going to just talk about hot topics, different things that are in the news, and just kind of get um, a discussion going on between me and somebody else. Um, you know, because we already discussed certain things like disclosure and um, being in a positive, uh, negative relationship and things like that with Jeremy and Jack. So I wanted to bring a different approach on. And with more, you know, different people, it will be different because they will bring different listening audience. And it should be kind of interesting. So I think it will be a good switch to uh, kind of switch up the flow of the show and allow other people to come on to co-host. So then we can kind of take phone calls all uh, show and actually hear from you, the listeners, which is kind of why uh, we have this all put together. So. If you are uh, not familiar with our website, you can learn more about us at www.posiam.com. That's P-O-Z-I-A-M.com. Uh, we do also run a social network uh, similar to uh, Facebook or MySpace 
where you can kind of uh, join, create a profile, start a blog, and meet other people who are HIV positive, people who are looking for support and friendship. Um, when I was diagnosed, I didn't want to hear statistics. I didn't want to deal with all that. I didn't want to be in a spot where I felt like I was getting cruised or hooked up or felt like I had to impress somebody. So we created PauseYM kind of parallel with the radio show to, again, offer a voice for somebody in a safe haven for people to find their comfort zone. So it should be very, very uh, interesting as I, you know, as people join. Right about now we have over 2,000 members and we always welcome new people. So come on, check it out um, and see what we have. Um, for people who are not familiar with me, you can also find information um, about me on my personal blog that I do for thebody.com. The blog itself is called Pause I Am, obviously. And it talks about different experiences that I went through. And I'm just about to put one off about the ADAPT Crisis Summit, which I attended um, in July, where I got to actually meet Amy. And that's where uh, I was, met her for the first time and heard her story. I was, always wanted to bring somebody on the radio show who could share their story of what it was like to be on the ADAPT waiting list. So for me to meet Amy, it was like, kind of like a godsend. It was like our lives crossed for a reason. I really truly believe that we do pass you know, cross paths with people for reasons. And, and her story is so amazing. So please help me welcome uh, Amy to Pause Radio. How are you doing this evening, Amy? Good. How are you? Good, honey. So glad to have you on. Uh, pretty good. Um, tonight we're actually going to do a half-hour show. Uh, Jeremy had to take care of something last minute, so I was shorthanded. Um, but thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I'm sure you're really busy being a mom and everything, huh? Yeah, pretty busy. So I was so pleased to meet you and befriend you um, at the summit. You know, how did you enjoy your experience there? Um, it was pretty interesting. I learned a lot. Um, I met a lot of good people, and um, um, it was interesting to learn a lot of the things that I learned there. Um, um, networking experiences is always a good thing to have. Um, yeah, it was really fun. I thought it was interesting, you know what I mean? And it was really cool that I got to meet you because, like I said, there's not a lot of women out there, and for you to be so vocal, you know, about you. Can you just um, backtrack a little bit? I know you were diagnosed in 2004. Can you tell us what that experience was like and, and how it happened for you? Um, well, I was um, in a detention center. Um, I went down the wrong road of growing up with a drug addiction and um, made some wrong choices, and they offered a free class on HIV, and I took that class and was offered a free test, and I took the test, and they came back and told me I was positive, and um, at first it was kind of a devastating experience. Um, I thought I was going to die, and, you know, that's pretty much, I think, what everybody thinks uh, when you're not educated about it. And um, I had a really nice guy named Maurice Adair. He's my mentor today. And, um, you know, he educated me on it. And um, he pretty much told me that it wasn't a death, you know, it wasn't a death sentence. And um, he turned my life down and told me that there was help. And um, I picked up on that. And, um, you know, I decided I wanted to change my life. And um, I put the pieces of my life together, and I went from there, and um, I started to change my life, and I started speaking to teenagers and um, children, and, um, you know, it took me a while to fight the drug addiction, and um, I just got it together, and um, I've got two years clean now, and um, Congratulations. I, go out, I go out in my community, and um, I teach the HIV 101, and um, I do local speaking, and I tell my story, and um, I go to different conferences and gather information, and just, you know, I'm like a sponge for information on HIV and pick up anything I can, and, you know, I am yeah, on they, ADAP with this, so um, I yeah, do a lot of medication, so. When you were um, when you were when you were diagnosed, um, and, and you know what I mean, and then you were getting clean, was it something that you shared? Did you um, like how did you get clean? Was it by being where you were, or was it by going to meetings? Like, what was your process to get clean? Um, I think the process of getting clean was more or less just knowing that um, I'd always wanted to get clean, and um, I just. I didn't think there was any hope of getting clean. I was more addicted to the lifestyle and um, that fast money and that fast lifestyle. 
I right. love going to meetings and um I guess I had to find something that filled that gap of missing what was going on on the streets. So I filled right. that gap by going to meetings and keeping in touch with the streets by going out and finding out what's going out out there by um you know going out and working on the streets with with my ADO, with Ado State, my ASO, my aid service organization, I go out and I do condom drops, and I go out and I do local events with those people, and you know, so I kind of keep in contact on the other side of the streets now instead of being out there on the streets using drugs. So I kind of had to find a way to fill that gap, um, and that's that's my way of staying clean was to find out how to stay in contact and. Does that make sense to you? No, yeah, no, definitely, because you, you, yeah, stay in contact kind of with that lifestyle, but now you're, you're, you're helping that lifestyle, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it totally makes sense, because I had a major problem, you know, when I, right before I was diagnosed with meth, you know what I mean, and I just recently got clean off of meth right after, right before I was diagnosed, so, you know what I mean, and I went to meetings, and I found it resourceful in sharing at the meetings about being positive and everything, and and that was a big thing for me to do. Um, did you share openly at the meetings, or did you just kind of go to the meetings? Because I, like, got the sponsor, did the steps, and, like, you know, how they make you do, different things like um, that. I keep those two lives separate. You know, I do go to um, the 12-step meetings, too, but I, I kind of keep those lives separate because I do have a child, and I do have a 12-step um, a step meeting, and I do have my HIV life, and I kind of have to separate those because of my mm -hmm. child and my work. You know, I do work right. in a restaurant business, and there is that stigma that's still there. So I know I all about it. Yeah, I kind of keep those lives separate, um, and it's hard living in a little community, too, um, to keep them separate. You know, me and you talked about that with the Facebook and everything right. else. So, um it's kind of hard to keep it separate sometimes, but I try to. <laughs> for my little girl's sake, too, you know, I try to keep that separated because children can be mean sometimes, and um, I don't want it to fall back on my little girl sometimes, you know, children to pick on her, you know, right. your mother's positive or, you know, things. And that's hard for me because I'm really open and I'm really vocal about being positive, and I'm not ashamed of my status at all. And, um, you know, that had to be taught to me by another mentor that there's a time to tell and a time to not tell. And I had to learn that because I'm one of those people that will be standing in a grocery store line and just tell you, hey, I'm positive. If I feel like okay. there's something, if there's something in your life that I feel like it will benefit you to know that I'm positive and I feel like telling you my story, I'll just tell it. And I had to be taught that there's a certain time to not tell that. And that was really hard for me to do because I'm just one of those type of people that I just want to tell everybody. And because I feel like it could help them in some way to learn that, you know. Or if they're ignorant about HIV, I just want to teach them, you know, that, hey, that's not the truth. So it's really hard for me to keep those lives separate, but I try my best. So. Now, now how, how your daughter is held? My little girl's 10. Okay, now does she know anything about your status? Because I know when we have other mothers on, we kind of ask them how they tell their kids, if they tell their kids. We had a grandmother on who told us how she, um, you know, told her, her young grandkids, you know, about it. Yeah. You had that conversation? Knows, my little girl knows I'm positive, and I also have a 11-year-old sister that knows I'm positive, and they could teach you more about sex education than um, probably we could teach each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and Funny. they... Um, they're very smart about it. Um, they know the risk that there is associated with it. You know, they know that if I'm bleeding, then they know the risk factors and how to take care of it. And they've been taught how to deal with certain things. And, you know, so they, they know about it. And um, I try to teach them early that the risk, because I know that kids are growing up a lot faster than we did, so I want them to know that the risks are out there. And I don't want my daughter to make the same mistakes because she does come from two addictive parents. And right. um, so I worry about that, too. So I try to teach her earlier than what I was taught because I, I sometimes feel like if I knew the risks that were out there and they were taught to me, I may not have made the same mistake. So I try to teach her that.
Now, when you went to school, did you get like um, like a, a class or a lecture or something on HIV? Do you remember any of that going on? Um, I think we were taught abstinence pretty much, and I think HIV may have been mentioned, but it was more that scare tactic that you know um, you cannot have sex, and you know, and it was not really anything taught to us about it. Not like did you go to Catholic school? Um, I went to Catholic school for one year, but I was kicked out because I was a trouble child. So. <laughs> no, I just asked because I went to Catholic and it was always abstinence, abstinence. Yeah, it was abstinence even in public school when I went to school. So, And I think my little sister, she just went through that um, sex education class and she said they mentioned HIV and, um, you know, they told her a bunch of stuff and what she... What they told her, she actually stood up in the class and told them that they were wrong, and that's not what she was taught. And it was really funny because she come home crying, and she told me, she said, Sissy, that's not what you taught me, and they told me this, and is this true? They told me you're going to die, and they told me that you can never have kids again. And, you know, and it, it broke her heart because what they told her was totally opposite of what I had taught her about HIV. And it scared her because she thought that her sissy was going to die. And it really scared her. And they had told her that she could never this and never that. And she had to use a condom. And um, if if she got HIV, that she would die. And um, people with HIV could never have kids again. And I had taught her, you know, because of me, that, yes, I could have kids again. But, you know, because I'm in a relationship with a man that's not. Um, positive and she wants a nephew or a niece and she has hopes of that so I've explained those risks to her and explained how that's possible and it was total opposite of what I taught her and she stood up and told the teacher you're wrong that is not what I was taught and she didn't tell she didn't tell him who taught her but so you know they teach it total opposite of what what I would teach, or probably what you would teach. So. Wow. Well, that's that's really cool. That's really cool for her to stand up and say that. You know, for her to yes. to get the guts to say that. Eleven, and even kudos to you. You know, for telling your kids. Because some people think ten, eleven is, is too old, too young to talk about. You know, sex and, and and HIV and STDs, and it's like they're having sex now. Yeah. You know, at when one they're point, doing Robert, these things. I thought it was too early. I thought it was too early at one point. Um. But I guess, you know, you experience things in your life that really open your eyes and change the way you look at life. And that's what HIV has done for me. It's really changed my life. It, it saved my life. You know, um, HIV has truly saved my life because it sent me down a whole different road, and it has saved my life. Um, it opened my eyes and gave me a whole new outlook on things. So, really knocks you into reality, don't it? Yeah, it really does. Um, it opens a whole new reality for you. Um, it was almost like it was my calling. So I'm right there with your sister because I feel the same exact way. I call it. I, I mean, I, I describe it as a gift because it, you know, it allowed me to mature, grow up. You know, not to take things for granted. You know, what I mean, now I know that staying in and cuddling on the couch is more important than going to the bar and having a drink. Or you know what I mean? It just really puts things into perspective for you. Yeah, it does for me, too, and people think I'm crazy for that, but I guess if you've been there or you're there now, then you understand that. And, um, you know, and, and even my family that has had a setback that aren't positive and had to experience some of these things with me, they still think I'm crazy sometimes, but they seem to understand it more because they've experienced the change and watched it in me. And I think they see that power and that empowerment growing in me every day. And they don't care where it comes from. All they care is that I've changed. And right. they're thankful for that because where I was headed then and where I'm headed now is two total di totally different roads. And I don't think they care. They don't, they don't really care where it is. All they care is the fact that I'm doing better. That's right. And it's so great to have that support from, you know, the people around you. Yeah, and the medicine, you know, even the medicine makes me feel better. Um, you know, and it's scary being on the wait list, but, you know, I went to the doctor and they extended my patient assistance. So that's, you know, it's 
I know I don't know about other states, but I know in South Carolina it's getting a little better. And the medicine, you know, I'm undetectable. I post that on my blog, and you know, it's just things are. It's like everything just gets a little better and better. And it's, you know, in recovery there's bumps and in the road and everything like. Everything has bumps in the road, but it seems like with HIV, I just never bump into a road. It's it's always just a clean little ride. You know, there's there's no bumps there. Always well, not yet, so. <laughs> Everything just works itself out, so. Yeah. Well, well let, let's just, I, I want to talk a little bit about, say, uh, tell me about when you went to the doctors and then they told you that, you know, you were on the waiting list. What is that experience like? Like, what was it like for you? Because I honestly don't know what it's like. I'm on ADAP. But what is what was the process like for you when, when the doctor said that to you? Or how did he word it, actually? Well, um, I knew when I went in, and um, I knew that I was going to have to start medicine sooner or later. Um, now, I, my daughter gave me a choice to start medicine um, then or to wait a little while. But, you know, my counts were, I think they were like two, not, they were three, 327, I think is what they were. And um, my viral load was like 28,000. And he gave me a choice. He said, we can wait another month or two, or, or you can go ahead and start them now. And um, I said, well, I, I got to start them sooner or later, so we might as well do it now. Um, I already knew there was a wait list um, because I had already been invited um, to Washington and um, with all the, you know, with all the advocacy that I do, I pretty much know what's going on in my state. So um, I knew I was going to be put on the wait list, so it wasn't, it wasn't any more fear than I already had when he told me, um, so I was prepared for it. But I didn't know what I was going to have to experience. That's where the fear set in, because I already had a fear of medications as it was. Right. Um, and I had always well, had a fear. I had always had a fear of medications because of all the horror stories that I had heard from people. Um, so that true. was my fear. My fear was the medication. My fear wasn't the ADAT wait list. My fear was the medication. Like the side effects and everything? Yes. And then once I started the medication, you know, I got over that fear really, really quick because the medicine started making me feel better. You know, I, I didn't have any side effects. Um, I started feeling better really quick. Um, you know, I started getting my energy back. Um, it just, I, no, I started noticing my skin clearing up. Everything just started falling into place. And um, then I received a letter and that is really kind of what upset me because I expected more than just a letter in the mail, you know, stating that I that wait list. And um, I got that letter, and then the fear set in of, you know, well, when will patient assistance run out? Because I didn't know anything about all that. That's what I learned in Washington was, you know, how patient assistance worked, um, how the ADAT wait list was going to work. So that kind of eased my fear was when I went to Washington and learned more about it. And um, then when I got back, I had to wait another two months before I actually went to the doctor. So waiting that two months, I just recently, has it been, it's been about a month and a half, almost two months since we've been back, right? Since we were there? Yeah. Uh, we were in D.C. July 7th, so um, is when we came home, so it would be a little less than a month. A little less than a month, and, okay, yeah, so it's been almost um, almost a month, and I haven't been to my infectious disease doctor yet. I actually went to my regular doctor, and he gave me a month's worth of my prescription. So I go to my ID doctor next month. So... Um, they extended my patient assistance for another month, and then they'll extend it again for another three months. So my patient assistance is going to keep getting extended until the ADAT wait list is over, as far as I know here. So that eased the fear a lot, um, knowing that my patient assistance will continue to 
you know, keep going until the wait list is over. All right, and right now in your state, there's 231 people on the waiting list? Yeah. And that's one of, that's actually the second highest state, because Florida has 839. Yeah, and um, um, I was one of the first 40 to go on the wait list here. Because when I went on the wait list, we had 40-something. So... I was one of the so, you're, so you're on your medications now. You're, you're making you feel better. You know, they're making you. You, you say you look better because you ain't breaking out as much. Now that you say that, Amy, you know, I actually have not been breaking out as much since I started meds too. It's kind of yeah. very interesting because I never thought of it before. But, but watch, I'll break out tomorrow now because I said that. <laughs> yeah, um, that'll be my luck. I was having the, you know, I was having to use a lot of different acne medications and stuff, and. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't have breakouts much before, um, the HIV and growing up and stuff. And, um, I, you know, my doctor was telling me that it was associated to the HIV maybe. Um, he wasn't really sure and he kept giving me all these different, um, face creams and this and that and other. And I wasn't able to get it under control. Well, then he tried to tell me that maybe it was a sap on my skin or something, and the HIV wasn't able to control it, or you know. And it was just a light sap. So he gave me this other cream and put me on antibiotics all the time. And the antibiotics upset my stomach all the time. So, and it just and then once I started taking the medicine, it seems like here now even. You know, I'm. I hate to say this over the radio, but like females during that time of the month, they always seem to break out. I don't even break right. out now during that time of the month. So I associate that with taking the medicine. I just don't seem. Ever since we started medicine, I don't seem to have any breakouts anymore. But maybe a little pimple here and there, and that seems to be because I'm on medicine. It's like ever since I started medicine, I just don't have any skin issues anymore. If I get cut or I get a little sore, it seems to heal better than I've ever healed before. So, and I've talked to other people with HIV and they're on meds and they, they have the same thing to say that ever since they started medication, they don't have skin issues like they used to have. So, I am so thankful for that because that helps so much. If you're out working in the community and you don't have skin issues, that is so helpful. <laughs> um, from what um, I'm reading here in the chat room, and uh, real quick, I just want to open the lines. Um, if you guys would like to give us a call here at the show, you can reach us at 347-215-9442, or you can post your questions in the chat room. Um, I have uh, Dab in the chat room, Daddy Dab. You met him in D.C. at the summit. And he says that if you have lower T cell counts, that means um, you'll have skin problems and infections. So obviously the medications give, you know, is boosting your T cells, so that's why you're not having as many skin problems or infections. Yeah. Which is kind of um, interesting. Um, but so, so we were at the summit together. Um, you know, we got to hang out for a little bit. We got to meet some really cool people. Um, and, and then, you know, I asked you to be a blogger, and I'm excited that you came on. Um, tell everybody what the name of your blog is on uh, the Pause I Am Network. Um, nothing is so contagious as an example. And you know what? I think that is so true. I, like, that's such a, a great statement. Um, where did it come from? Um, actually, it came from my ex-husband. Um, he gave me a piece of paper one time. Um, and I have it on my refrigerator, and the statement to me, it, um, I forget who it's by. Um, I can go in there and look. To me, <laughs> means way more than just the statement in itself because um, it has two words to me: is contagious and example to me, and that means so much to me because you know people think we're contagious and. And we are so much as an example to people. If we are vocal with our stories, then we are such an example to other people. So, you know. No, that's, um, that's so true. It's such a great name. And, you know, if you remember Paz I Am, definitely go over and check her out. Um, she's the cutie holding the teddy bear. <laughs> that picture is so great that that talk. I actually have a caller here. I'm going to bring the caller on the air. 
Uh, caller, welcome to the show. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello? Hello? Okay, somebody was not paying attention, and I think they hung up. So area code 843, if that was you, just give us a call back here at the show. Um, it seems for some reason they were not um, paying attention when we went to them, so I apologize. So other than that, what else? You were featured in Achieve Magazine. What was that like? Because, to, to, I mean, it's beautiful, the photo of you. It's huge. It's a huge article, a couple pages. What was that like? Um, it was interesting. Actually, my first big, um, I guess, big-time article. I've read a couple of newspapers. and. Um, Hello? Um, Amy, did I lose you? I think we lost Amy somehow. Hello, Amy, are you there? Hey, Robert, can you hear me? Hey, who's it? Hold on a second, one second. Amy, are you there? Yeah, I lost you, oh, sorry. Okay, hold on one second. Caller, uh, what's your name, where are you calling from? This is Nate Clarkfeld from Fort Lauderdale. How are you? Oh, good, Nate, how are you? Great. Um, I just wanted to. I'm, I'm amazed. Sherry, Amy is just an amazing person. I mean, just to, to have, have uh, survived and be a great example to all of us on insurance and doesn't have any of these other problems, just kind of sails through stuff. But I do live in Florida where um, I do a support group and I also do the Pause I Am newly diagnosed support group. And we had some people that did go on the ADAP. Uh, waiting list down here. You mentioned there are about there's like, I think there's up, about a thousand people down here. I heard on the ADAP waiting list. But I'm, what I'm my question and what I wanted to talk to Amy about was the support system for gays and straights is so different for HIV. I mean, we had a guy that was you know that was ready for medication and his doctor gave him a prescription and other guys in the support group went into their medicine cabinets and got drugs they don't take anymore and this guy's got like three months worth of medication in 48 hours we just sent out an email and it happened um and i'm just wondering you know what what can be done to get the straight community up to speed i know it's i know it's not the same i mean i know that that, that it's been a little bit more in the shadows but can she talk about that um okay i'm not well, I don't know. You know, Florida and Greenville are a lot different here in South Carolina and Florida. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, our our straight our straight community and our gay community here at our AIDS service organization are really in key with each other. Good. Um, and our our AIDS service organization has a stash of medication uh-huh. there at at the AIDS service organization. So actually, okay. when I went in and um, needed my medication, it was within 24 hours that my AIDS service organization had right. the medication in my hand. Um, it wasn't that I had to have um, the support group go and get the medication that wasn't uh-huh. used and have them put it in my hand. Um, mm-hmm. It was the AIDS service organization that had okay. it in my hand. Now, um, as far as getting the straight community um, in key, it's really finding it's up to the AIDS service organization to find a person like me, mm-hmm. right. you know, and that's what my AIDS service organization has done. They found key people inside the the HIV community that are people that can be advocates and people with a voice, and they pulled those people out and used them and used them to the advantage of having them go out and speak and having them go out and advocate for people that don't have that voice. And see, when I go out and I speak, it's not about me and it's not about what I want and it's not about, you know, it's not about my personal story. It's about those people that don't have that voice and it's about those people that, you know, it's about that lady that can't get her medicine. It's about that Mm -hmm that child that was born to a mother that wasn't educated and now that child is positive. It's about, you know, it's about those other people that don't have that voice. 
And that's what it, it's up to those AIDS service organizations to find that person in that straight community that has that voice. Well, they're lucky they found you. <laughs> I so agree with you. They are. I mean, and, and that's and it, and you know something, Amy? It's hard to find them in the gay community too anymore. We're we're yeah. la- we're starting to 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 get what's called you know um, you know just fatigue of this whole thing. We're in our third. Well, it decade. sounds like you do have some in your community. If they were able to pull together and get that person that medication like that, then you right. may not have those advocates, but you do have those caring right. people. And that's that is big, exactly right. That's a big thing too. If you have people that care about each other, then that's just as good as an advocate. Yeah, you know, I guess so. But, but I, what but it you... sounds to me like is that you just need a. Even if your AIDS service organization isn't doing it, then you need to pull together as a community of PWAs and do it for each other. I agree. You know, because some AIDS service organizations won't do it either. So if they won't do it, then you have to pull together as people living with HIV and AIDS and do it for each other. Are you running for office? We'll all vote for you. <laughs> I agree. I know, but I wish I could. Well, I don't have the time. Between two jobs and a kid and Robert and everybody else, I don't have the time. Okay, I'm just asking. There's all out there, and here we find a good a good voice and a and a good looking person, and we could run her for some office. All right, I'm but I'll tell you phone. what, you have my blog site, and anything you ever need, just let me know, and I will do my best to try it. I sure will, and I'm as I said, I'm the I, I moderate the new newly diagnosed group on POSIAM, so you can find me there. All right. Okay. Good night, all. Thanks, Nate. Have a good night. Bye. I will. Bye bye. Good night. All right. Thanks, Nate, for calling into the show. And if you would like to give us a call here, you can reach us at 347-215-9442. I do have a caller who is on hold. Um, If you'd like to talk with us, press 1, and then I'll know to bring you on the air. So um, Nate actually runs um, some positive cruises. Um, Him and another gentleman run these cruises they put together. One's a gay cruise and one's um, a hetero cruise, a straight cruise. And they do that once a year. And I know that's something that I think... I don't know if it came up yet. I know uh, somebody who is uh, Mark S. King, who was just recently on the show. Um, he was uh, going to this thing. I think he was going to blog about it. I, I don't remember exactly, but it's supposed to be really interesting, and I think we're going to have him back on the show again. And I don't know if you've ever done any kind of like events like that, like a, a cruise or anything. To me? Yeah, you. No, but I so looked at it and want to do it, but I just don't have the time between working two jobs and my child. Um, right. I was looking at it the other day. I seen a link to it. I don't remember where I was at, and I looked at it, the link to it, and searched about it, and I seen it, and I wanted to do it because the pricing was so good on it. And, right. Um, you know, I just got back from a cruise to the Bahamas. Yeah, I saw those photos of you. Yeah. And um, and I had a ball, and I would love to go to something like that for you know an HIV cruise, and um. That would just be so much fun because you know me, I'm all about meeting people like me, and <laughs> and that would be that would be so much fun to me. But you know, just starting another job and having a job already, and then all the speaking and everything else I do, and being a mother too, it would just be almost impossible for me. Well, maybe they could do maybe on one of these cruises or or these places coming up, you know. Uh, sometimes they do. Um, they invite speakers and stuff like that, and sometimes that includes. I don't know exactly on on Nate's cruise, but some places, you know, and they include, you know, maybe you coming. So maybe that'd be something we both could do. That would be kind of fun, even though I'm afraid of water. Yeah. Definitely afraid to look out and not see any land anywhere. Yeah, you never know. I might have to talk somebody up on that one. <laughs> so, um. Oh, one of the topics that we always uh, talk about is disclosure, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to pry too much into your relationship, but what was that like, um, you know, now that you're, I don't know if you were open about your status, you know, as you are now, when you met your, your, your current, is it your husband or boyfriend, fiance? Boyfriend. Boyfriend. Um, um, when you met him, were you as open? You know, did you, like, how was that kind of conversation that you guys had? Well, yeah, I've always, you know, from the day I found out I was positive, I actually walked back into the detention center and told everybody that was in there because I've always been a person that cared about other people, and um, I've always cared 
about telling other people. So I walked back in the detention center even and told everybody, look, I'm positive. Y'all need to go get tested. If you've been in contact with anybody that I've ever prostituted with before or if you've ever come in contact with somebody that prostituted with somebody that I prostituted with before or, you know, so I've always been that caring person. And when I met the boyfriend that I'm with, um, I've been with him two years and, you know, um, he was at first, we just rode to meetings together. I lived with my grandmother at the time, and I was just getting into sobriety. And um, he gave me some rides to meetings because my grandmother was going out of town. And, um, you know, I, I seen a connection happening. And before it got any further, I just set him down and I told him, um, you know, I, I can see that connection, but there's something you need to know about me because you, this is something that you got to know. And I just told him, and he kind of looked at me like, wow, <laughs> are you for real? And um, he didn't really know. He's a lot older than I am. He's 47, and I'm 29. Um, and he didn't quite know that much about it, so he had, he had a lot of questions, and I loaded him up with books. <laughs> That's the best thing and, to do. Um, and I set him down and told him to take these home and read over them and if you have any questions, come back tomorrow and load me up with them. We'll have a test. <laughs> and um, and that's pretty much what he did. He took them home and he read over them. And um, he came back with any questions he had and we talked. And I answered any questions. And we just went from there. And he's accepted me for who I was from that day. And I guess it built that respect of knowing that, you know, if I, I wouldn't lie. I told him from the day one, this is who I am. You know, I think that's important. One of the big things that, um, you know, I try to advocate to people that are, you know, worried about disclosing to people is that if you come from a place with knowledge and confidence and you feel good about yourself, you know, people are going to take um, the disclosure, I feel, a little bit easier. You know what I mean? But if you come and you're bawling your eyes out crying as you're telling somebody, you know, what are they going to think? Yeah, because they're going to automatically assume, well, wow, is it that scary? Right, um, if you're crying, I'm going to cry. Yeah, you had, and that's, you know, I had to be prepared. I had to have everything on hand. You know, if he had questions, I had to be, I had to have answers. Um, I had to be knowledgeable enough to answer what his questions were going to be. I couldn't go in there not knowing what I needed to know. Um, if I wasn't knowledgeable enough about my own disease to answer the questions, and and that's the big thing, you have to know enough about yourself, you know, um, and that that's what I try to tell a lot of people is you got to educate yourself before you can go out and try to educate someone else because you don't want to give wrong answers. And especially in a positive-negative relationship, you have to know the, the risk the risk reductions and um, because in, in a relationship like I'm in, you know, sex is a big issue. Um, there's things that we want to do and we want to sometimes get around and play the other risk reductions because, you know, there's things in our life that we want to have fun with when it comes to sex and condoms and stuff. We use those. But there's other foreplay issues that we want to get around, you know, and we want to go to risk reductions instead of always dental dams or other things. So there's things we had to learn as a couple, and we had to be knowledgeable amongst each other to learn those things. We couldn't go in it blindfolded and try to learn those things. Right. I think that's one of the most that's one of the most important things that I think that you know, people who are HIV positive need to know is that we need to have that knowledge of, you know, everything. We need to have all the answers so when somebody asks us, we don't look like we like a deer in headlights and we don't know what's going on. We need to have the answers to make either our partner or our family members or the people who love us, you know, comfortable and, and, and let them know that we know what's going on. And if you don't have the answers, it's okay. Go ask. Um, there's always somebody that does. And don't go to the Internet because the Internet does not have true answers. Right. It's very hard to find a resourceful website. Um, 
that's why the, the the one that we try to you know focus on to people to go to that we know is obviously thebody.com. And then yeah. if you want personal, you know, personal stories, that's why you know I I, I created Positive was because I I didn't want all the medical stuff. I just wanted like one-on-one -on -one conversations like we're having here on the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I wanted to to read stories. I think it's more important. I think you get more out of it that way. Yeah, and you do. And um. And if you want, if you want to know the medical stuff and all, go to your doctor. That's you know, and or go to your, um, you know, your case manager. And and a lot of your aid service organizations usually have a prevention specialist, and those are the ones that have all the answers. You know, right. um, or at least I know at my aid service organization, he is the bomb. He has all the answers. You know, when it comes to prevention, I mean, he is the one who has taught me everything I know when it comes to preventions and, and when it comes to risk reductions and all the little ways of, you know, the the one the ones that I teach, the HIV and the STD 101s and the classes and all the risk reductions and the preventions and everything that I have sponged up and learned, I have learned from my mentor that I talk about so much. And he's a prevention specialist and he's the prevention coordinator at my aid service organization. And you'll hear me talk about him so much because he is the most knowledgeable man that I've ever met in my life. And he's got a heart of gold. And I think he's one of a kind. I just wish every aid service organization had a person like him because if they did, they would just, I think that the world would be a better place. Um, yeah, it's always nice to find those diamonds in the rough. It is because if you could find one of those in every aid service, service organization, then I think that, you know, it would work a lot better. I think that we could tie in each state if there was one of those in each one. And I think that's what we're missing is the states being tied in together. And we talked about that in um, Washington is, you know, the missing gap is the communication of each state. So if we can just tie in that communication, then I think we would tie in a lot of the missing gaps. No, I totally, I totally agree. But uh, speaking of Washington, when we were there, um, the last day you actually went up and spoke to the senators, right? Yeah. What was what was that like? Because see, I never did anything like that, and I didn't even know that they were going up on the hill. And then when I saw all the photos that came back afterwards that Dad had taken of everybody up there and in the White House and all that cool stuff, like I was kind of jealous. So what was it like when you went up there and, and spoke with the senators? What exactly like did you say and? Um, it was really scary to me. Um, I had did the only thing, anything similar to that I had did was a legislator breakfast here in South Carolina. Um, so I'd had a little bit of experience, but you know, legislators a lot different than the senator. Um, I was actually supposed to speak there at the White House was the original plan, um, but it changed. Um, but I have been told I would be invited back for that, so that's, you know, exciting to me too. Um, I was really nervous, but excited at the same time. Um, I guess to me, to be able to speak to someone in that, in that authority and give my story and tell how I felt about, you know, being on the wait list and how important it is to our state, you know, or my state here in South Carolina, um, it was exciting to me. Um, I guess the nervousness subsided real quick um, just to be able to sit down and tell my story and tell how I felt. So it subsided real quick. Um, and and how did they respond? Were they like listening to you? Like, Oh yeah. Like, they did really you feel like they were hearing you? Yeah, I really felt like they were hearing me and um, they gave me their cards. So I have their personal email and I sent them a thank you and um, a thank you for their time. Um, I actually sent a letter to the president, and my daughter and my little sister sent a letter to the president um, the day after we got back. Um, um, a lady that I work with with my aid service organization and Positive Voices, um, which is one of the advocacy women's advocacy networks that I work with, got to go up to the White House at the briefing for the um, AIDS strategy. <laughs> Excuse me. 
at the AIDS strategy release, um, she got to actually give those letters, the original written letters, to President Obama by hand. So that was really exciting to me, too. Um, and that was really exciting to my girls, too, my little girl and my little sister, to actually know that their letters were put into President Obama's hands. We haven't received a reply yet, but I'm sure we will. It takes them a while. Um, and and to have your little girl to sit down, I wrote that on my blog, um, you know, to have her sit down and give her a pencil and a piece of paper and just tell her to write a letter, that was amazing to me to sit down and read what she wrote. I tried to um, scan a copy and get it up on my blog, but I couldn't. So I'm going to retry to do that because I think it would be interesting for people to be able to see what she wrote. But um, to actually sit down and read what she wrote, it, it made me want to cry because I just gave her a pencil and paper and told her to write. And it amazed me that she had listened and took up so much of what I've told her over time. I didn't coerce her at all. She just wrote everything that I had told her back onto that paper. And wow. she actually listened to everything I've said. She, It's like all those times that she's like, okay, Mom, I'm so tired of hearing about the ADAT wait list. Okay, Mom, shut <laughs> up. I'm tired of it. You know, but she listened because she remembered everything I've actually told her, and it was on that paper. Well, that's awesome. And the same thing from my little sister. You know, they're like, okay, y'all can, you can really shut up about this ADAP now. <laughs> You know, but to give them pen and paper, they sit down and wrote it all back back on that paper. So that's got to be so great to have all that love and 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 support and, and and just to know that you're making a difference in you know even if in those two young women's lives. You know what I mean? It's so nice to have you as a role model. I think you know that's great because you know what I mean. People say things like that to me now, and I go, well, if you knew me eight years ago, you wouldn't be saying that to me. Yeah, so it's like it's real funny how, you know, we're completely different, but we're sort of parallel. You know what I mean? Like there's different things in our stories, and I think that's what's so great about everybody sharing, um, you know, their stories like that. Um, and I also just got a tweet from Justin B. Smith from Justin's HIV Journal, and he said, tell that girl Amy, I said hello. <laughs> so he said hello to you from, I think he's in Atlanta right now doing something. Well, so I said hi. <laughs> it's funny. He must be listening there. Um, actually, next week we're going to have Christopher on. Oh, great. I've yeah, so he, I miss all of you guys. I had so much fun with y'all. Yeah, it was really, really great. Y'all have to come to Greenville, my side of town, and we'll all go out and get together. And well, What's down in Greenville? <laughs> yeah, I could see all y'all coming to Greenville. <laughs> what is down there? Is there anything down there to come see? Not much or nothing, really. But <laughs> a couple of trees. My farm. <laughs> yeah, you do have a farm. farm. You have a lot of animals, don't you? Yeah, y'all can come to my farm and help me feed the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I love the southern draw. It cracks me up. Cracks me up. It's so funny because um, I, I, we had this other gentleman on, Brian Morgan, who was on. And he's from, actually, I believe he's from South Carolina, too. And he has this southern draw, and he's so funny. He's just really, really great. Um, yeah, y'all made fun of me the whole time I was in Washington. Y'all picked on my southern draw. <laughs> but it was great. You know, we uh, we got a lot of good pictures, too. I saw a lot of them come out, a couple of them. Dad took a great one of uh, me, you, Chris, and Anthony. Yeah. It was really, really great. So um, how has, how have you enjoyed blogging on PauseIM? Has it helped you? Oh, or? I think your computer's been down. Yeah, my computer's been down, um, so I'm not even going to get to listen to the radio until later. I'll have to go back and check that out. Um, Sprint, thanks to Sprint. I hate Sprint. But um, <laughs> <laughs> don't make me go there. Um, yeah, unless my little girl's over here, I get on her laptop, and it seems to work fine with Sprint. But there's something up with my home my home desktop. So um, I, haven't, I haven't been on lately to blog, but um, at first it was going pretty well. I'm going to get on there probably in the next few days over at my grandmother's and try to set up another blog. And like I said, I'm going to scan that letter that my little girl did and my little sister and try to get those up. 
That's awesome. Um, well, another question I had uh, tweeted to me um, earlier when I talked about having somebody who was on the waiting list. Do you ever fear that one day you're not going to be able to get the meds and you're going to be like shit out of luck, basically? Like you're not going to be able to, like it's going to run out and you're just going to be left without being able to take meds. Do you fear that day or do you think that there will be some sort of resolution to this ADAPT? Um, well, you know, um, I do fear that, um, I fear that, but at the same time, um, well, 2014's a long way off. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, um, I do fear, you know, what it takes to help me. So come hell or high water, I know that I'll do what it takes to get my medicine. Um... I don't know what that would be, but... But you'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. You know, me and well, Justin talked about that. Um, me and Justin talked about that while we were in Washington. You know, Justin that does the blog on your website. Mm -hmm. And even he said that, come hell or high water, if it come to getting his medicine, he would do what he had to. Right, I'd um, have to move, whatever. And, um, and that's the same with me. And I've got people who care enough. I've got people that I that I've built contacts with that work with the drug companies. Um, so, you know, I would do whatever I had to do. And I, I've made sure that I've, I've covered my bridges. I've wrote thank you letters to the drug companies. And I think that a lot of people haven't even thought of doing that. Yeah. You know, um, I've done a lot of things that I don't think a lot of people have thought about doing. Um, and maybe it doesn't matter, you know, and it may not matter. It may not make a bit of sense. Um, and those drug companies may not even care. Um, but to me, it, it's like I think a lot of people lack showing appreciation where appreciation is due. And um, I just I did whatever I had to do to hopefully cover my butt if those drugs don't come one day. Um, uh, well, what are you? What are your thoughts on? Because a lot of you know uh, the people with the with the ADAP, A lot of people say you know we're, we're these drug companies are shipping a lot of medicine over to you know foreign countries you know and stuff like that. And and there's people I'll, here. I'll move. I'll move if I have to to go somewhere to get my medicine. But I mean, what do you say to the people who 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 are saying that why are, why as as a country are we shipping all these meds to foreign countries and then we have I'll over two thousand people here? You know what? I don't want to even go to that subject because that just pisses me off. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know is if it pissed you off or not because it makes me mad. You know, we have so many people here that need those medicines, but yet they're talking about let's ship these medicines to these other countries and let's get these medicines to these people and let's medicine people. But it just, I don't even want to go there. Yeah, it drives me nuts because there was just, I just heard it on the news that there was this big, um, uh, flooding or whatever happening over in Pakistan, and then the United States stands up and says, we're going to promise to send over $10 million in supplies, and I'm like, there's, you know, people on waiting lists here, I just don't understand how we could just jump to, you know, oh, it doesn't make sense, it drives me nuts, but guess what, we sold... Here in the U.S., you got people here in the U.S., people that are our people that are in dire need of so many things. And it's not just HIV, okay? Let me cover mm -hmm. our bases here. It's not just HIV. It is so many things. Our soldiers, people on cancer, people with HIV. You've got children that are starving here in the U.S., not just in other countries. It is so many things. Okay, those mm -hmm. are the names of you. And they are helping other countries. And it's I Okay, don't get me wrong. I care about other people, okay? But you need to help your own first. I agree with you, sweetheart. <laughs> you totally know. agree with you. I totally agree with you. You have to start with your own people before you can help other people. If you're not healthy at home, then how can you help the others? Because you know what? When something happens here in this place, do you think those other people are going to help us? No. No, because they don't have the resources to help us because we're giving them all the resources now. You're so right. And you know what, Amy? We are out of time. We have about 30 seconds left. I want to thank you for calling in and sharing your story. We sold the whole hour anyway, so kudos for me and you for, for talking. 
I want to thank you so much, honey, and you have a great night. You too. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. You got it, honey. Bye-bye. And you guys can find more information on Amy and check out Amy's blog on POSIM Network. Um, and the name of Amy's blog is Nothing is More Contagious Than Example. Check it out at uh, community.posim.com. Everyone have a great night. Um, from here in Levittown, we wish you well and talk to you next week with Christopher Myron. Bye-bye.